Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Cause Marketing Forum and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at CauseUpdate.com and SelfishGiving.com. Now on to today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. On the line with me, of course, is Megan Strand. Hey Megan. Hey Joe. How are you? I'm excellent. That's good. That's good. I mean, we got a big show today. We do. I'm excited. I know. And it's like a coast to coast type of thing again. <laughs> Here I am in Boston. You're somewhere else on the West Coast. <laughs> and on the line with us right now is Gary Zarr, who is partner at Phil and Company. Hey, Hello, Gary, all. how's it going? Hello, all. Here we are in New York. It's nice to be from <laughs> near Union Square. That's right. That's right. So, you, I mean, only a few hours from Boston, but so, so far away in our thinking. Well, we're, right? we're, we're, we're connected spiritually and emotionally with your accent, Joe. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gary, thanks so much for being on today. It, you know, the reason we're having you on here is we, you know, we were kind of excited when we saw this trend report that you released right. on mobile cause marketing and millennials and Generation Z, which I think is really interesting and kind of a hot topic for people. And I want to talk about about that. But I was hoping you could begin, Gary, by yeah. just talking a little bit about what Phil and Company is. Sure. And could sure. you also mention how did you get into cause marketing? Because everyone asks that question. How do you get into cause marketing? We want to know how you got into it. Well, you know, I have a partner, Cliff Sloan, who he had his own agency and after nine eleven was turned on by the cause space after he worked on a program about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder for New York State after 9-11. And uh, myself, I, in another life, I used to work at the American Museum of Natural History where mm-hmm. I managed all their marketing communications and was involved in all kinds of issues of education and science. And earlier in my career, I had many nonprofit clients uh, as well as for-profit clients. And so Cliff and I just decided hey, let's change the world and start a business doing it. And uh, we said, "There's let's take the excellence that we've learned in the private sector and bring it to do good in the world. And how do you do that? But you do it through cause and cause marketing. So our agency is a full-service agency here in New York City. Uh, and uh, we run the gamut from advertising to digital to public relations to reputation management to branding. And these trend reports, really, that our, our, our digital leadership under Cheryl Victor Levy create on a regular basis uh, is to share and aggregate learnings that we think can be helpful for other people. And mm-hmm. sharing, by the way, as you, you, you guys probably know and our audience uh, probably knows, sharing is a very, very big topic for millennials uh, and yep. Gen Zs. I mean, that that is one thing that they have in common. So we just think it's in keeping with the times and, and, and it's appropriate to do. And I also want to say that uh, your listeners should know we're really a proud sponsor of uh, the Cause Marketing Forum again this year. Yay. Uh, and uh, we are, yes, we, we have some fans here. And uh, <laughs> we are going to be actually uh, 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 moderating a panel on really redefining and expanding the definition of cause marketing. And we're going to have one of our clients, Arts Brookfield, uh, uh, there with us, Deborah Simon, and two other uh, guests, and my partner, Cliff Sloan, will be moderating that panel. And we're also really happy that we're going to host the uh, 
the, the sort of the, the community party that, that happens after the dinner, which... We're really happy there. about that, too, Gary. Joe <laughs> should be there. Megan's going to be there. And I think everybody listening should sign up for that party. And Arts Brookfield is going to have... A, we're going to have a live performance of a group that was in our global user-generated campaign called Hashtag Art Set Free, who happened to be from Chicago. Yay. Oh, so I good. think, I think you, it's an a cappella group, and they just knock everybody out. Oh, that'd be great. So uh, tell us about the the trend report on the mobile cause, Mike. And first of all, when we talk about it, I think that people have only recently begun to talk about Generation Z, Gary, uh, in terms of who they are and what the demographics. We know we hear a lot about uh, millennials, you know, the most obnoxious. I mean, the most generous (laughs) generation. I'm sorry. Uh, But Generation Z, what what do they look like, Gary? Who are they? I mean, you you know, I haven't met you in person. You must be a Gen Z. No, 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 no. Well, I was a Gen Z at one time, uh, but that's because my last name is Zara. But that was before Gen Zs were called Gen Zs. Uh, Gen, Gen Z is basically for in, in sort of normal English here are 25-year-olds and under. Mm. And Gen Zs are, are really share a lot in common with millennials who are millennials now are 26 to 36, so they're getting a little older. But uh, the, the Gen Zs are really grew up, this, this sort of group of, of Americans grew up with a sense seeing their parents struggle through the recession. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have a different sense. There's the news is about war and disasters, so they're growing up in a little bit different environment than the millennials, and they seem to be, from the reports we've read, very can-do, action-oriented. The millennials are want to share and change the world, but I wouldn't call them. Uh, they're, they're a little bit more laid back in how they approach that. The, the, mm-hmm. the, these Gen Zers are very scrappy. Uh, they like action, uh, mm-hmm. like a lot, like like many of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> despite what generation we're in, their attention span is a little short. They just take for granted the mobile world. Everything you know, I love what mobile. you say too, Gary. In the in your report, that while millennials are tech savvy, Generation Z is tech innate. Uh, yeah, they're so, born. Tech, tech, uh, Joe. Not to, I mean, you're you're inspiring me by what you're saying because mm-hmm. for Gen Z folks, the the tech what we call tech and digital is in their DNA. That's the right. world they grew up in. So they yep. just assume things that millennials maybe had to think a little bit about. Yep. And certainly uh, uh, Gen Ys had to think about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and then when you get to baby boomers, another whole thing. But no, they're, they're, they're sort of innately involved in it. And they're really into images and videos and infographics. And I think where the cost comes in for both of these generations, mm-hmm. you know, when you, and they're not really so separate, but the millennials and the Gen Zs is they're super, super motivated by cause. Mm-hmm. Cause is a big, big topic. And so many of your listeners may be interested in, like, well, what do we take away from this? One of the things is if you're developing a campaign and you want to talk to somebody who's 25 years old or 15 to 25, a Gen Z, person or somebody who's sort of a millennial and these are very coveted categories now Mm -hmm. for various reasons if you want to reach them cause is a very good way to do it and what we've learned in the report is they're not really interested so much in an organization or a brand Mm -hmm. they're interested in the story they're interested in really being moved so Mm -hmm. they share that in common 
Yeah. No, I, I think that's interesting. And, you know, one of the points that I've made, um, Megan and Gary, on this too is like – this is why companies are so driven in the area of social responsibility. Yes, I think some companies do care, but I can't say that about all companies. But I know that all companies are interested in wooing the next generation, whether it's millennials or Generation Z, and cause is just central to them. And the earlier you can get somebody, as you know, as a customer, or if you're in a nonprofit as a supporter, the odds are the longer you'll have them. So that you want to introduce your product or your cause, whatever your cause is, to a younger generation. And it's interesting because there's real skill sets uh, and, and thought has to be put into the campaigns. Because, you know, one of the campaigns we talked about in, mm-hmm. in the trend report, which if people look at, was is really, really, really smart. I mean, UNICEF teamed up with Giorgio Armani, and they wanted to, uh, UNICEF wanted to sort of give more clean water to kids in need around the world. So what mm-hmm. they did was they created an app because remember everybody's got to keep thinking mobile, mobile, mobile. Right. Yep. And it's called Tap Project, and it's super simple. You get on this, you get, you get this mobile, and what they want you to do is not use your phone for ten minutes. Now think about that. Mm-hmm. It seems like wow, you know, there's really no barrier because you're asking somebody to do nothing, but. <laughs> You're actually asking them to do something because the tendency <laughs> is to use the phone. That's right, yeah. Right? You know, you're trying to change their behavior. But what was amazing, it's super simple and very visual if you look at the trend report, very, very accessible. They were able to donate 250 million minutes, which, which, which caused UNICEF to donate 25 million days of clean water. So think mm-hmm. about that. The mm-hmm. power of that app, which is in the hand of somebody who for sure are some of the many of them are millennials and some are Gen, uh, Gen Zs, and think about the impact that had. And it's very, very simple. It's a simple transaction. It's very powerful. You know you're doing good, and it's just right out there. So for somebody who wants to create a campaign, some of the campaigns that we put down in the uh, trend report are just samples of the kinds of amazing things you can do. So this humanizing it, tapping into the passion for the cause, you know, Mm -hmm. super, super important, concrete, you know, call to action, press this, share this, do this, super simple, Uh, and you can see the results. If you're you're creating the campaign, whether you're in a corporation, you're in a nonprofit, you want to be able to measure the results. You need to create a campaign where you can get metrics because it's all about metrics. For instance, what we did with Arts Brookfield, and we invited people on the 25th anniversary of this global or free arts campaign to contribute their art. In the first year, we got over 32,000 submissions of art from artists who are well-known and amateurs in all genres on -hmm. our website and in the Arts Brookfield properties all over the world. And we also got them from 111 countries. So that's the power uh, and that was and that was principally an organic campaign that was promoted online uh, you know digitally uh, this this whole idea of sharing like we're sharing the trend report or you through this podcast are sharing information with your listeners sharing is another passion a common passion of millennials and gen z's so the sh- the sharing whereas a baby boomer might press donate because they have the resources to do that, 
or a Generation X might press don- donate because they have the resources. The millennials and the Gen Zs, their act of donation many times is sharing or Gary. doing or doing something like that. That's super powerful to understand because that action has a huge impact if there's somebody like Giorgio Armani uh, behind it because then you really are doing good. Gary, that's a that's a really interesting point and I'm glad that you brought that up because one of my biggest questions is where is the best place to engage Gen Zers and millennials because in the past And we see this all the time. People are constantly creating their own platforms and expecting people to migrate to these platforms, which I always feel is a giant mistake. So is it any different with with these generations or does that council still hold true? And if so, where are the best places to engage these populations? I think we're, we're talking pretty generally here about millennials and Gen Zs. But if I were a brand, let's say, uh, and I cared about a particular topic. For example, um, one of the ones we use is Amnesty International as an example. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're thinking, well, okay, how do we, how do we make people who are going to a music festival? Now we can, we could probably assume that many of those people in the music festival, not all of them, but many of them are millennials, right? We could also assume. I mean, I'm making generalizations here. I mm-hmm. don't know particularly music festival. Some of them might be Gen, Gen, Gen Xs, and some might even be boomers. But let's say they're predominantly millennials and maybe younger, even some Gen Zs. Uh, how do we get the idea of what Amnesty National does? And they had a very specific idea about how some countries and some, uh, you know, force people into making false confessions. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a complicated idea to get across. So what they did was super smart. They they allowed the festival attendees to receive a free Internet service, but only after after they agreed to sort of a term, which you would do. Everybody always says, yes, I agree to the terms. But what happened is... Almost 9,000 people at this music festival pressed, yes, I'll do it. And then they got a prompt from Amnesty International to tell them, hey, guys, we just fooled you. We've just forced you to admit you were stealing three mobile phones. We got you to do something you didn't even <laughs> I love know. that. Sounds right? funny. That's really, really sophisticated and smart yeah. and very direct. And all of a sudden, yeah. if you're the person at the festival, and then they, then they go on to say about false confessions and how that people – you know, uh, uh, why Amnesty International is fighting that. So that is a really smart way. It sort of answers Megan's question in the sense that it's very, very micro-targeted. I mean, they really understood what they wanted to do. So I think the issue of platforms and what platforms you use and what you don't use, Mm -hmm. or do you have to create them, I think you have to really look at what your goal and objective is. What do you, who is your audience? You got to really be sharp about it. Yep. What do you want them to do? Mm-hmm. And what's the trigger to get them to do it? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's another campaign we have, which is a very different kind of campaign, which I just think is just uses technology in a brilliant way and really gets back to Joe when you were saying Megan is in a part of the country, you're in a certain part of the country, yep. I'm in a certain part of the country. 
there's something called Third Eye, which was a mobile app created by a, 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 a telecom company in Asia. It was called Star Hub. And what they did was they worked with, uh, in Singapore with an association that uh, supports visually handicapped people. What they did was they created this app called Third Eye. Mm-hmm. And people who are visually handicapped can actually photograph with their handheld, with their mobile device, something, whatever they're seeing. It could be video. They could be they can be taking a selfie. And then they had micro-volunteers. They would sign up. It could be any place in the world. It could be me. It could be you two. It could be some of your listeners. And they would describe to the person who couldn't see well what exactly they were looking at. <laughs> so you have this amazing example of crowdsourcing, which is another... Yeah trend and really something that millennials and Gen Z's, Gen Z's in particular, take for granted. You know, you, you gather, you mobilize the population to help you do something, which if you're, if you're digitally savvy, is kind of like now people take for, not about granted, but it's a tool, it's a tactic. Mm-hmm. So if you're creating a campaign like that, like these folks that is super smart and powerful and compelling, imagine what you can do with the descriptions. Imagine what you can do with those images. Imagine also what platforms they can go on. You could use that stuff in traditional advertising. Mm-hmm. You could do it in public relations. You could tell those stories of those people. Well, Gary Zarr are the, is, is the eyes, was the eyes, was the describer of, uh, of uh, for instance, Megan, who's in another whole country. who mm-hmm. doesn't even know her. Right, right. So it's, it's powerful. Yeah, no, I think there's incredible opportunities. And you know what I think, too, Gary? I'd love to get your perspective, too, because one thing about you, too, is you uh, you and Cliff, too, have really been on both sides, working with right. businesses, working with nonprofits, but you're also right. an agency, right? Yeah, and, uh, you know, what do you think the threat is to nonprofits? Like, what do you kind of look out at nonprofits now and kind of scratch your heads and you say, you know, guys, you really need to be doing this, and, well, that's uh, very, very, very interesting. Very hmm. interesting. You mean what? Well, look, look, you know, yeah. uh, nonprofits are not playing in the same game that they were playing 10 or 15 years ago. Right. The yep. environment is extremely competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, there are, we like to say, more nonprofits than there are restaurants in New York. I mean, I know there's a lot of restaurants in Boston and there's a lot mm-hmm. of them in Chicago, but there's yeah, a lot of them. But that's here. a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot of nonprofits. And, 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 <laughs> and so, you know, if you just think of every category, a nonprofit is an organization just like a for profit in the sense that they have a budget, they have a goal, they may be values driven, and they are values driven. But to do their mission, to fulfill their mission, they need a certain amount of revenue. They need a certain amount of strategic partners. And what they really need is awareness among key audiences. So when we sit down or we talk with nonprofits, and we have you know considerable decades of experience with nonprofits and for-profit companies, you know of all kinds, you know you really want to think about you know take a step back and and do a lot of listening. What is it that they're trying to achieve? Many times they're not clear really about where they want to go. They know something's wrong or they know they're being maybe superseded by another educational institution or another hospital or another not-for-profit or maybe their donations are down or maybe they're finding they can't really communicate or engage with the target audience. But Mm -hmm. whatever it is, it's listening to them. And for sure, many nonprofits, even the most sophisticated, whether they're cultural organizations or other, 
are very, very challenged about how to connect with millennials and yeah. Gen Zs. I agree. And because, because if you think about, let's think of the Boston Symphony, uh, the Chicago Institute of Art, or Lincoln Center, they traditionally have what's called graying populations. The, mm-hmm. Their audiences traditionally are on the older. They're skewing almost beyond baby boomers. I mean, and certainly they're donors. Mm-hmm. It's essential for them to start to engage younger audiences. How do they do that? Exactly what Megan asked before. Where are those people? Yeah. How do they they digest information in another right. life? They do it differently. Would, you know, yeah. you, they do it differently than we do. And, yeah, you know, I mean, so many of those institutions are really struggling. You know, Gary and Megan, one of the things I was reading about the other day was talking about how much golf is suffering um, because golf, it's not yeah. the thing of for millennials. And I, you know, I aptly thought that I thought that, well, it's hard to sl- swing a club when you got a phone in your hand. <laughs> you yeah, know, well, so. they'll figure out a way to connect it to the golf club or to the hat or something like that. But, yeah. but you know, when, they, when you talk about golf, and, and again, I, I haven't. I would have to think about it a lot more. I'm not a personally a golfer, although I like sports. Golfing is, is associated with a certain segment of the population, which is, quote, unquote, your parents or your grandparents. Yep. And they'd say, you're a duffer. You know, that means like you, you, you know, you're taking it light, you're walking around, you're playing mm-hmm. golf, you're kibitzing with your friends. It's not, it's not, what would be the opposite of that? An extreme sport. Uh, you know, skateboarding, something very active, which a younger person might do. So if I were involved with golf and I was thinking about, well, how, what is my future audience? How do I get people involved with golf? And we had some experience of this with the USTA. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you diversify an audience? How do you get other people playing tennis? How do you get them to do different things? You have to create programs for them, and you have to have messaging for them. Because remember, all of these campaigns that I just mentioned, and there are many, 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 many of them that are superb, they're all about messaging and ideas that resonate with the audience. And so yeah. with your audience that you're trying to connect to, if mm-hmm. they're golfers, whether they're golfers or whoever they are, mm-hmm. it has to be something that a millennial or a, a, a Gen Z is going to pick up on. And yeah. golf, like everything else, tying that to a cause, which they have causes, of course, that they follow, and mm-hmm. then targeting it is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And never uh, doubt the power of being cool. Well, right? you want to be hit, yeah. With, yeah, 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 with younger people and stuff like that. I mean, only Megan is truly hip and cool on this show. We know that, Gary, but... but Well, I, I'm not going to say that publicly. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you're both super cool people. That's right, we're both Because cool. super cool is about being smart and caring about doing good in the world. That's mm-hmm. right, that's mm-hmm. right. So which is not hip. Yeah, which is what exactly this trend report has been all about. So, very, very fascinating, Gary. Thank you for sharing this with us. All Where right. can people find the trend report if they'd like to get a copy of it? All right. Well, you can go uh, on our site, fillincompany.com, and under Unfiltered, which is the our blog, and you can find it there. And uh, and we would uh, be very interested if people had ideas about future trend reports they'd like to, to know about, because we mm. would welcome doing the research on it, and we do it anyway. And we'd like to give your your audience uh, the kind of thing they, they, they're interested in, they need, and they want to use. So yeah. I want to thank you guys for this opportunity to be on with you. 
Thank yeah, you. We'll definitely put that too on uh, show notes. If uh, listeners are on iTunes and they're listening to the show from there, definitely visit uh, Selfish Giving or Cause Update or Fill and Company, and we'll all have the trim sure. report that people can sure. download. Uh, Gary, what about an uh, an email or a Twitter profile, some place that people could connect with you? Well, and if you want to use an old fashioned email, it's <laughs> Gary G A R Y at fillandcompany.com. Excellent. Well, we will put that in the show notes as well. Joe, where can people find you online if they'd like to do that? Well, people can find me on Twitter, of course, at Joe Waters. They can find me on my blog at SelfishGiving.com. And, of course, you can check out my cause marketing boards on Pinterest.com slash Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF and also blog for the Cause Marketing Forum at CauseUpdate.com. And, of course, you can find Cause Talk Radio on iTunes. We do recommend you subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss an episode. And on behalf of Gary and Joe and my We'd like to thank you for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio, and we'll talk to you next time.